This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Let's continue on in our series this morning that we have called up. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Are you glad to be in church today? Are you glad that you're in church and not in the hospital? Are you glad that you're in church and not in jail? You know, know, there's some places in the world uh, where you gather and you talk about Jesus, you go to jail. Uh, And there are people persecuted around the world because of their Christian faith. And we have this wonderful opportunity in Canada to gather publicly and lift up the name of Jesus. We are blessed to live in Canada, that we can do what we do here every Sunday. So it's good to be joyful about it and glad that we can actually gather in the name of Jesus. All right, let's find out. Uh, what this series up is all about. Once again, we are in week three, and uh, if you've missed any of the messages, they're available on our website, on our podcast, and then also you can catch up through the church app. Ephesians chapter two, verse four says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him. Just, we were singing about that. The resurrected king resurrects us and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. That our relationship with God positionally has us in Christ seated at the right hand of God. That God wants us to live with this heavenly perspective or from a heavenly perspective. In other words, from up. God wants us to be, uh, as we deal with life and think about life, that God wants us to live in him, him in us, um, so that we would be aware of this every day, that we would live from this up position. Psalm 113 verse 4 says, The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like our Lord? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. So God is not just a creator. The scripture reveals to us, specifically through Christ, that God is our savior. And what is the action that God does toward us in our lives that the scripture tells us here? He lifts us up. So we're supposed to live from this heavenly perspective. Then God is actively As a saving force in our lives, he is lifting us up from an undesirable place. God has a a preferred future for us in our lives and for our lives. And he he wants to lift us up and he is actively lifting us. He is saving us from situations. He's saving us from ourselves sometimes that he is lifting us up. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. What kind of call is it? It's an upward call. So we're supposed to live up. He's lifting us up and then he's calling us up. So this is what this series is all about. In the first week, we talked about this idea that God gives us dreams and visions for our lives, more commonly known goals, that God, um, through his word and And through revelation shows us what God wants for our future. 
He helps us to see something by his spirit. And then he wants us to move in that direction. Last week, we talked about some practical steps, about how to move towards the dreams and visions that God gives us, that God wants us to be diligent. He doesn't want us to compromise our character as we moved towards these goals, dreams, and visions. So today we're going to be talking about um, really ultimately as we receive a dream and vision from God and as we move towards a dream and vision, we will always be living in this in-between place, receiving a dream and vision from God. And then ultimately we want to and we will uh, walk in the culmination of the dream. We will see what God has put in our hearts. And that's an exciting time. Has anyone ever had some of those? It's great. Uh, You can praise God and you can be excited in those days. But then as soon as you walk in the culmination of that dream and vision, God gives you another one. God puts something else out in front of you. And then you are in once again this place in between from where you receive the vision and then you're walking towards the vision. Sometimes those things are fast and then sometimes those things take a while. They take years and sometimes they take decades. And when we live in this in-between time, the potential is there for us to just get sad. Or we can just get depressed. Because sometimes things take a little while and I'm not actually getting to the goal that God has for me. The thing that I've seen in my heart and in my mind. And then we live in this space, this sort of in-between space. And we can just get really depressed. That sadness can overtake us. And then, uh, you know, and depression is a real big issue in the world today. A lot of people just depressed about so many different things. And, and, you know, we we live in, especially in Canada, we have so many creature comforts um, in our lives. But then there's still so many people struggling with depression. And they're going and they're getting medication because they're just depressed and sad all the time. But Christ followers, we shouldn't be living depressed. We shouldn't be living in a sad place, especially in this in-between spot where we're always going to be living in some measure, in that journey to the dream, we don't want to be sad and we don't want to be depressed. We don't want to be down, as the scripture would say, which we'll read here. So let's turn over to Psalm 49 and we'll see how the psalmist expresses this idea, this feeling that we would all feel at some point in our lives. Psalm 42, verse 4 says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And then verse 5, he asks himself a question. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Is it better to be down or up? Want to get with me this morning? Is it better to be down or up? What's the name of the series? Up. We named it up for a reason. He says to himself, Why am I down? Soul, he asks himself a question. But the the psalm starts out, or where we started reading out in verse 4, says, These things I remember. So he's remembering the good old days. Now, we all have good times and good things in our past, but we can't get stuck in this idea and this notion that our best days are in our past. 
And sometimes we just glamorize and, and we, uh, we think that things were perfect when we look back. When we're in a bad situation at present, we look back at the past of our lives and we're like, oh, I just wish, you know, I was however old you are. I wish it was just five years ago. I wish my kids were babies again. I wish I was single again. Don't go there, people. And we glamorize the past. And this is what the psalmist is doing. He was like, oh, I, I remember as I pour out myself how I used to go. And, that, and he's actually going to talk about his relationship with God. How I used to go to the house of God. And he has, he has a memory about his relationship with God. How it used to be a certain way. And if you've been a Christ follower for any period of time, you can have a moment where you look back where God truly met you and showed up in your life and manifest himself in your life. If you look back at that day and you could just wish you could relive that day over and over again. I wish it was when we used to have hymnals at church. I wish it was that we could just name anything that happened in church when we were growing up. And those things those were the context of God showing up in our lives. And sometimes we get so joined to the context that we actually miss out that it was God that made that moment special, not the context or the clothes that we were wearing or the hymnals that we were holding. And this is kind of my soapbox. So I'll just stop right here. We can look back at a time. We just think, oh, I just wish it could be how it used to be. And we glamorize the past. And when we think about our lives, you know, um, we can use the analogy of a car that we can get so stuck staring, staring at the rear view mirror when we miss the whole windshield of our lives. That God wants us to be looking out the windshield of our lives and not staring at the past. That God actually doesn't want us to be down. He actually wants us to have joy in our lives. One of our one of my Bible school instructors, um, he, he would use this analogy and he would say, when you're going uh, through life in your faith mobile, and really we're supposed to be living by faith. The scripture tells us the just will live by faith, that we're supposed to live by faith and not by sight. He would always say, as you're living life in your faith mobile, you always want to check two dials. You know, when you think about your car, you, you want to maintain your car. You don't want to run out of gas. You don't want to um, go past the lifespan of the oil because bad things can happen when we lose track of the dials of our car. And it's the same thing with our life. He would say to me, uh, he would say to us as a class, we always want to keep track of two things. You want to keep track of your peace. And you want to keep track of your joy. Where am I at as it relates to peace? Where am I at as it relates to having joy in my life? Because God actually wants us to have joy in our lives. The psalmist says, why, my soul, are you downcast? He's asking himself the question. He's doing a little self-analysis. You know, it's so much easier just to analyze other people, to know where other people are at and what they're doing wrong and the mistakes they're making and what the prime minister is doing wrong and the premier is doing wrong and the mayor and any other public figure, a public person. It's so easy just to think about what they're doing wrong. And then just forget about ourselves. But the psalmist is not asking how somebody else is doing. Asking himself the question, why my soul, my mind and will and emotions, why am I sad? Why am I down? Why am I depressed? Because we could just 
be depressed and we could just be sad and we just sort of get used to being in that place. We get used to being down, but God doesn't want us to remain down. So we got to ask ourselves the question like the psalmist did, why am I down? Why am so disturbed within me? Verse 5. It continues, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Hope is all about the future. Sadness and depression is all about the past. So we're supposed to be having hope in God. Let's continue. My soul is downcast within me, verse 6. He goes on this real journey, the psalmist. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves, breakers, have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by, my, by the enemy? So this is the way we feel sometimes in life. We're just oppressed and everything is crashing down on me. And you're kind of thinking, uh, God, where are you? Verse 10, my bones suffer mortal agony and my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Asking himself the question, this internal struggle, this internal question. Why am I down? Why am I depressed? Why am I sad? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. See, the reality is your past isn't better than your future. Your best days aren't behind you. The whole idea of this series is that God is constantly putting things in front of us and is constantly moving us towards what he has for us. The dreams and visions that God gives. So what's in the rearview mirror is not what we should be focusing on. It's not the glory days. And it's also the, the, the damage that's been done to you in your past. We also shouldn't focus on that. The hurts that have happened to us by mistakes that we made or by choices other people made. Man, we can just stare at those things and just stare in the rearview mirror and lose out with joy and peace and hope. But let's be like the psalmist. Let's do a little introspection. Let's ask ourselves, why am I sad? Why am I a sad person? Why am I down right now in life? The Apostle Paul helps us with this idea in Philippians chapter 4. He's writing to the Philippian church. They had sent him uh, an offering, and there obviously had been a period of time where they had stopped supporting him. And he kind of comments about this, and he's not mad at them, but he, he comments, and it helps us to know how we can live through different seasons of our life. Philippians chapter 4 verse 10 says this, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. In other words, uh, you, you just didn't send support because you just didn't have a chance. So he wasn't bitter about it. He was just telling them. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. I, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we quote this verse a lot of times on its own, which is great to do. But the whole context of what Paul is saying is sometimes I have a lot and sometimes I don't have anything. 
Sometimes I've had a good meal and then sometimes I'm kind of hungry. Paul says, though, regardless of the circumstance, I have learned to be content. The word content, simple definition, means independent of external circumstances. That what the scripture is teaching us, that it actually doesn't matter what's going on around us. Paul is saying to the Philippian church, it doesn't matter if I have a lot or I have a little on the inside, I'm content. Why? What did he say at the end? Because I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. See, our struggle, this internal struggle that we have is keeping our eyes on Christ or getting our eyes on the stuff that's going on in and around us. Because there will always be stuff going on in and around us from the receiving of the vision to the walking out of the vision to seeing the dream come to pass. There's just going to be stuff that's going on. But Paul says, regardless of where you are on this journey at a high spot or at a low spot, I have learned to be content. In other words, I still have a smile on my face regardless of what's going on. See, as a follower of Christ, we should be thermostats and not thermometers. In other words, we should set the temperature in our lives. We shouldn't be going up and down with the temperature. And, I, you know, things are good and so I'm happy and things are bad so I'm sad. That life isn't just happening to me, I'm happening to life. I'm setting the temperature in my life. I am content. Regardless of what's going on, it's good, I'm content, it's bad, I'm content. Why? Through Christ. I can do this, whatever this is today, wherever we're at on this continuum today, I can have joy and I can be content because I am in Christ. And this is where the rubber meets the road for those of us who say we follow Jesus. This is what should set us apart a little bit. We should be different from the world. We should be different from people who don't follow Jesus. Should we be more judgmental and angry at the world and more hateful? No. We should be content. We should actually have joy every day. We should have joy when things are going well in the economy, and we should have joy when things aren't. And we should have joy when our favorite political party is in power, and we should have joy when they aren't. We shouldn't be up and down just like everybody else. We can have a smile on our face. Why? Because our smile comes from Christ. Our smile comes from our, our relationship with God, our contentedness. Are you content today? Are we sad? Are we depressed? Paul says we can be content regardless of what we're going through. See, life is not always going to be comfortable. Situations aren't always going to be comfortable, are they? But we can be content regardless of what is going on around us. That the joy that God wants us to experience is sustained from Him. Wherever we're at today, for it's close to receiving the dream, whether it's close to walking out the dream and the vision, reaching the goal, wherever we're at, whether we're full or whether we're not full right now, 
Whether we have enough or whether we don't have enough, man, we can be content because we are doing it in Christ. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus is speaking. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 9, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? Overflowing joy? How do we have overflowing joy? How do we have joy when it... I have an empty belly, as Paul is saying, where I don't have enough, where it is difficult circumstances. How am I going to have joy in that moment? Our joy is going to come from God. What the scripture is teaching us is that our joy is independent of our circumstances. As we focus on him, what kind of joy does he give us? He gives us overflowing joy. So this is a sermon on joy. So let's all just practice smiling right now. It'd be great. Let's just all take a moment and just smile. Can everybody just throw a smile my way? Well done. Well done. Some of you are like, it's about joy this morning, people. (laughs) Jesus says we can have overflowing joy. Now, once again, that doesn't mean the stuff in our rear view mirror is automatically joyful. There's a bunch of stuff in my past that isn't. Can anyone think of something that's not joyful as you, as you glance back in your past? Some really, some really difficult and hard stuff has happened in our past, correct? You know, I mentioned in the first service, you know, you can think back in your life, maybe at different times in your life, you've lost some friends. Anyone ever lost friends? that used to be your your best friends, and now you're not friends anymore because you had to take the knife out of your back by what they said about you. Does anyone have any situations like that? That's hard to deal with. There's no joy that comes from that. I don't look at those situations in my life and be like, oh, that was the best day ever. No, we're not going to find joy in people. People are going to love us one day and hate us the next. They're going to be with us and they're not going to be with us. The people, I'm going to be with you to the end. And we're like not even Facebook friends anymore. You know what I mean? You're not going to find joy from people. But where we are going to find joy is in God. Paul says, through Christ, I can do this. Through Christ, I'm going to experience joy. That my relationship with God actually has purpose in my life. It's not just so I can go to heaven one day. Thank God for that. The psalmist, uh, why am I sad today? Why am I depressed today? God is still on the throne. Jesus is still my savior. The Holy Spirit is still within me. God hasn't abandoned me. Because he's the one we're supposed to be getting our joy from anyway. We're not going to get our joy from the economy, from political situations, from world situations. That our joy is going to come from God. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1. The verse for it says blessed. You know, part of the definition of that word means happy. Blessed 
is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruits in its season. And his leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So where are we going to find joy? We're, we're going to, our delight is going to be in the law of the Lord. In other words, in the word of God. What is God saying about me? What does God's word say about me? I, some people who don't like me, I know they say certain things about me. But what does God say about me? Because that's where my delight is going to come from. And then he uses the analogy for us that we're going to be like a tree that's planted near water. What are those trees like? They're the taller trees. Those are the stronger trees. It doesn't mean those trees aren't going to face the four seasons. There's going to be wind and there's going to be hail and there's going to be a snowstorm and all of that. But our roots go down deep in God. Our roots are in God. Our roots are in Christ. Our roots aren't in the circumstances of life. So we can be content. We can be joyful. We can have a smile on our face in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the, and this doesn't mean we're pretending that bad things aren't going on around us. Not what I'm saying. But we have joy. We find our joy in God. We find our joy in God. We're not going to find our joy in the circumstances. So when the challenges come your way, when something else pops up, and what a, here's this thing that you didn't expect, that you didn't want. You can have a smile in your face, not because you're weird, but because we're like putting our trust in God, that my roots are in God. I'm not going to find some great uh, solution just in the circumstances and looking at the storm. No, I'm going to find a solution with God because my roots are down deep in him, that I'm strong in him. Scripture tells us the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, not the joy of the circumstances, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can be strong in all of the stuff. Why? Because my overflowing joy comes from God. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this. You show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Now, this is not just when we die. This is right now. God's presence is with us right now. This is one of the big doctrines of the scripture, the omnipresence of God, that God is with us right now. We're going to have joy in God's presence. He will show me the way of life, granting me joy, granting me joy. Is it better to be down or up? He's granting me joy. Jesus says there's overflowing joy. He's the vine, we're the branches, we are in him. We're grafted in the family of God because of Jesus. There's joy in him. God has invited us into his salvation. There's joy in him. We are planted in God. 
We're going to find strength in him, joy in him. Hebrews 12, verse 1, the second part of it says, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance. We need endurance to live this life. We need endurance to go from this spot where we're excited about the dream and the vision and the goal. We need endurance to get all the way here. What's going to help us to have endurance? What's going to help us to endure to the end? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, despising its shame, now is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. How did Jesus go through the cross? The worst moment in human history? Joy. The joy that was out in front of him. He could see you and he could see me. And so Jesus actually had joy going through the cross, even though it was the worst thing in his life. He endured the cross for joy because of joy. And if Jesus did it, the scripture is telling us this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to endure to the end. So we're not going to choose being down anymore. We're going to do a little introspection. We're going to do a little thinking. We're going to do a little praying. And why am I so sad? Why am I down all of the time? Why is everybody else trying to lift me up all the time? Why am I such a sad person? No, let's choose joy instead. God gives it. He offers it to us. Wants us to experience it. Last verses, then we're done. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. What is it that's going to help us endure? Our faith. That our trust is going to be in God. Our trust is not in the circumstances that are changing. That the thing that's going to give praise and honor and glory to God is not the difficulty. It is actually our faith. Our faith honors God. That we put our trust in God in those moments when the storm is going on around us. That we are a tree planted by the river of life. And his joy is my strength. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your joy that you give to us, that you offer us today. Lord, and we choose joy today. We choose what you give us. And like the psalmist, Lord, we ask ourselves, why are we so down? Why are we so sad? Why are we so depressed when you offer us hope and you offer us joy? God, we choose this morning to take our eyes off of the rear view mirror. And we look through the windshield of hope that you provide for us by faith. That we just, today, we put our trust in you. 
that we don't have to stay sad, that we don't have to stay downcast, that like the psalmist, we can put our hope in you because you never fail. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.